we'll get into the question for this week. Um, so this was a, this has had a few good replies online, but the question this week was this. How do you explain the Trinity and does it matter if you can explain it or not? So the Trinity is a big concept. Many of us have heard the word Trinity in our lifetime. And so it's a big concept. And so we, we have to ask the question, how do you begin to explain the Trinity? You know, uh, the bad thing is as Christians, if we hear something over and over and over again, we just repeat it and we don't even know what it means. Salvation is a good example of this. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. We hear words, we don't even really understand what it means, and we talk about it. So I think it's important, though, that you start to articulate, do you understand what the Trinity means? You know, for um, Muslims, it's one of the biggest gripes against Christianity. They say that you, you people say you have one God, but there's three gods, and they always will argue that it doesn't make sense. You know, you look in the scriptures in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So we, in the Old Testament, there was a big push. God was emphasizing, compared to the polytheistic gods of the time, there was many gods. Israel's God was saying, I am one God. So we start there. Can you agree with me? And then we look on as we go into the New Testament. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he, so we see Jesus. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And we call that the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we see in this text, we see the three persons of God there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the question becomes then, how do you reconcile that? How can you have one God but three gods at the same time? These are important questions. Because here's the thing, you know, we are now at a time where everyone is exposed to everything. So I was actually at a VBS, and there was this little kid, he was 15, I don't even think he's 15, he's 13. And I was like, does anyone have any questions? And he literally brought up the Trinity. And I was like, literally, I talked nothing about the Trinity, but that's what he wanted to ask me. He said, uh, I, I don't know if y'all know this text, but Jesus says, no man knows the time or the place when I will return except the Father. And so it said even Jesus didn't know something the Father would know. And so he was like, <coughs> could you explain that to me? How can Jesus, who's equal with God, not know something that God knows? And I thought, what? You're 13. <laughs> Where? And you, know, and you know what it made me think? It's literally YouTube has probably people from different backgrounds, maybe even Muslim people, who are bringing these questions up. And when a kid sees this today, they don't know what to think. So us being prepared and having an answer can give us some strength and some foundation for what we believe. But it also, I wanted to ask the question, does it even matter if we have an answer to this? So I do want to hear from you guys first because my goal of a church is not to see everyone just listen to me talk because I sound good. Uh, it's all of us <coughs> articulating together so that <coughs> we can all become better at <coughs> expressing who God is. So let me ask, how do you explain the Trinity? Can you? And does it matter if you can or cannot? Maybe I'll get into what I have to say. I will say it was interesting to note, most people online said it's not that important. Like, it's good to know, but it's not that important. And I think I'm gonna differ. So stay tuned and I'd like to share with you guys, okay? So the first thing is um, the image that they use to help describe the Trinity, I think, and it's a good one, I think I have my clicker. So we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. We see with the three. 
And I like this image because the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. But each one is God. So they are three persons of the triune, of the same being. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like, how do you even explain that? But I do think, like Heps was saying, there's analogies from today. So look at the American government. The American government has how many branches? There's three grant branches in the American government. What are they? The legislative, the executive, and the judicial. So one government with three branches. Can you agree with me? I will say of all governments that I've seen, uh, I think we have a pretty good government the way that it is. But we see there's this idea of all of them have equal, I like what James said, mutual submission to one another. Like, not one of them can overrule the other completely, but there are moments where they can. Does this make sense? So there's a three and a one. We look at the idea of water. Take one cup of water, take it to the room. I can put one in the steamer, it becomes gas. I can put one in a freezer, it becomes ice. I can leave one as it is and it's liquid. Three things, one form. So for our God, I believe that there's three that are one. So that's the short answer of, uh, that's my short answer to this. Um, I will say our, our, our examples do lack. A lot of people will argue all of these, and that's fine. I do think there is a holy mystery to the Trinity that we don't understand. But I do think this is an important question that we engage in, and here's why. Um, this question matters because the handprints of God are on his creation. Do you understand that? You know, who God is, he has, the architect always puts his style and his design in the architecture. Can that make sense? Like there are designs back in the day that you'd be like, oh, that artist did that. We can tell because of the style. So God has embedded himself into creation. You understand, you know why it's good to love? Because God is love and he created this world that when you love one another well, you live better. So now you think to yourself, now we understand the nature of God is three in one. What do I recognize? God is a God that values unity. Always. He has embedded in creation that we should be a unified people. Yet this is a big thing that we don't have today. Right? Think about the idea of unity. It's people coming together. Truly. And you wonder why. It's because that's his nature. The nature of God is in us. So when we come together and live a unified life, man, God is glorified because that's who he is. You know, I was thinking about it. The, the, the biggest accomplishments, the biggest memories or the best memories of our life are never when we're sitting by ourselves in a room doing something for ourselves. It's always with people. Think about the memories of your life. Think about what's valuable to you. It's when people come together. But now more than ever, the enemy is separating us. And so I say the question of the Trinity is important because as you begin to engage in the mystery of three becoming one, you begin to engage in your life of, am I unified with people? Truly. You know, I, I was talking to one of my friends and he works from home. And he was like, at the end of the day, he's so tired. And I said, what do you do? He said, I just work. Like he has a, na a nanny that watches the baby. And then he says he just well, he goes to sleep at night and does nothing else. He doesn't leave his house. And I was like, okay, maybe go to a coffee shop. Sit with other people. Talk with somebody else. 
Everything that society has become has become about me, myself, and isolated. And because of that, people are so crippled today. People have no life. So I really want to encourage you. This is an important question of uh, the unity that God wants from us. So unity is lacking today. Like, let's think about some of the things God ordained. You know, God ordained the church. Can you agree with me? He told Peter, on this rock or on this rock, I will build my church. God ordained the church. And a church is when many come together. Can you agree with me? So even in the thing he ordained, it's about many coming together and becoming one. But yet we look at our churches today and they are so splintered. They are so divided. Even in a growing church, there are groups of people. It's never one body together. And I believe this, when a group of people can come together in a church, truly, not, not where it's Sam talking or the worship leader leading, but everyone is walking in their anointing and their calling, the church has life. And this is beginning to engage in the mystery of God because the mystery of God is three in one. Another thing that God ordained is the family. You look at the family, right? He said a, a man and woman should leave their parents and they will become one. Another holy mystery. Two are coming together to become one. So it's an interesting idea then that everything that God ordained required unity. And so you might ask yourself today, why don't we see unity? Well, I wanted to pr propose this. How can the... How can the church have unity today unless the family has unity? You know, like a church is a group of people built up from our families, right? Uh, what is a church? A church is a group of a lot of families coming together. And what is a family? How can the family have unity unless people have unity within themselves? And this is what I want you to engage with today. That the mystery of the Trinity is a mystery of even ourselves. Like, we are not able to have unity in our families because we have no unity in ourselves. We have a desire for good sometimes, but sometimes we go towards the bad. Even Paul says this. I have, there's a thorn in my flesh. I desire the good, but I don't always do the good. We are complex beings. Can y'all agree with me? And if we can't have unity inside of us, you know, people are trying to figure out the mystery of God. You can't even figure out the mystery of you. Figure yourself out. Right? And, but you realize we are complex, which makes me realize God is complex. I'll give you an example of this. So yesterday, I was uh, taking care of my two babies by myself. Hepsi had a conference. And so I was, uh, you know, taking care of both by myself is really stressful. Okay? And I don't know why. So let me talk about it. Like in my mind, I know I've seen many people who have seven kids. And they all survive. You know what I mean? Like they're fine. My parents had three kids. They survived. So then I thought, okay, in my mind, my mind says, you have two kids. It'll be fine. You'll be okay. But my, my heart says, man, if they both start crying at the same time, what am I going to do? Like, how do I handle two of them at the same time? So then I get kind of frustrated, right? And so it made me think, I, I'm complicated. You know, one day, I remember, like, uh, this was the first time she went to, she just went to the store for one hour. Yesterday, she was gone eight hours. But she went one hour. And I remember Mike was asleep and I was like, she needs to stay asleep. I can't let her wake up. Right? This was my mental plan. And so Zion comes in the room and he's like, ah, ah. And he starts like screaming. So you see like, I'm like, dude, sh stop. I have to, I'll spank you if you don't. And I'm getting frustrated because it's like, 
Again, I'm complicated. Inside of me, my mind is like, it's going to be okay. But my heart says, okay, if she wakes up, you're not going to know what to do. So then he screams one more time. And I'm like frustrated. So I just take a stick and I go pop. And I pop him on the bottom. And he goes, ah, and it makes the situation worse. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I need to manage me, right? There has to be a unity inside of me. And so now I, I've stopped reacting. So when my heart feels uncertain and I'm like starting to shake, I just have to take a breath. And I just think in my mind, it's okay. People have done this before. He may scream, you're going to be fine. And we realize we have to manage the unity inside of us. And I'm going to get into the scripture today. You know, the Mark 12, 29 to 30 says, And the most important commandment is this. Hear the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Interesting, we come to that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right? If, if it was simple, God would say, just love God. But he didn't say that. You are complex and you are made up of different things. And God wants every part of you. So I want to encourage you today, as we begin to engage with this question of the Trinity, it's beginning to engage with the question of you. You are multi but one. Can you manage the many? Because that's what God wants. He doesn't want just one part of you. He doesn't want your mind only. He wants all of you. That's what he's hoping for. I'm going to break down each word, and then I'll be done for the day. But let's get into one, one at a time. He says the heart. So do you, what is the heart? Is it the, is it the picture that I show? What is the picture that I show? The organ. Does he want the organ? Does he, does he like pump it faster? Is that what he is? When he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, what is he saying? It's the idea of the center of you. You understand? They think this is where our center is. And so Jesus even said the word, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the idea of your heart is what you value. God is saying, I want you to love me by giving. I want to be the highest value in your life. You know how you can read what you value? Your emotions. Your, see, anyone will lie about the, what they value. I can, I'll come up here and be like, I value God. You know, everyone will say that. Oh, God is my number one. Your emotions don't lie, though. Your emotions reveal something about what you really value. So I was thinking, why did I get so anxious when my kids were screaming? Because I want to control the situation. You know what I valued? Control and peace. And so because of that, I get agitated. And so what God is saying is, I want you to love me by making me the highest value of your life to the point that all of your emotions align. So I... Your emotions are a good indication of your values. So you, let me encourage you. You know the way you grow your heart to be in alignment with God? You know, so many times um, our heart will tell us one thing and have an action that it wants us to do. The best thing to do is to do the opposite. This is one thing that really helps me. Like our heart will tell us something and it will guide us through the emotions. Do the opposite thing. If I ever feel upset, it helps. And my heart is like, man, she said something wrong to me. I want to say something back. I do the opposite. And I say something nice. Or I try to. I'm not perfect. You can ask her. Right? <laughs> so we do the opposite of what we want. When I want to say something rude, say something kind. You know, I had a student this week who was uh, just 
capital A annoying for some reason, and I didn't understand why. And I, I just wanted to be like, get out of my class. But instead, I had like a Twinkie, or I had a snack. It wasn't a Twinkie. And I just was like, hey, like, let me give this to you. They were just, I think they wanted attention. So in that moment, I was like, give me peace. You know what I mean? That's what I want right now. But instead, let me respond with kindness. The way we beat our heart and it's not, because the things in our heart are very embedded. You know what I mean? It's hard to break that. And the way you break it is by doing the opposite. So push against your heart. And what you recognize is as you do that, that's worship to God. When you love someone when you're upset, that's worship to God. When you say a good word instead of a bad, that, instead of a bad word, that's worship to God. When you are willing to go work for God rather than sitting there and scrolling, that is, that is glory. God is glorified when you do that. So I want to encourage you, worship to God is all parts of you. And the first part I want to encourage you is your heart. The second part is our, um, oh, let me, get, yeah. So how do you love God? Do the opposite of what your feelings may say. Because our feelings will guide us usually in the wrong direction unless we've trained it that way. And so do the opposite. If you want to be lazy, work. If you want to be mean, be kind. Everything that God has asked you to do, do. We continue. What's the second thing? It's our mind. What is our mind? It's our planning. It's our reasoning. It's the way we perceive the world. And so our minds are by developed. So how does our mind develop? Can I ask you that? How do we develop our mind? Where you spend your time and where you absorb information is how your mind develops, right? We have a generation today, you know, a lot of our kids have so much insecurity and there's a lot of anxiety and depression today. And do you know why it is? Because all of the information they're consuming is on social media. And when they look at social media, they look at their friend who has 100 likes and then they look at themselves and they have five likes. So their mind is being developed by the information they're consuming, right? And so we have a lot of that today. So even now, teachers are telling us, like they're asking us, don't let phones in the class, right? Because it is such a bad thing for our students. You have to be mindful. What is the information that you're absorbing? Because the information is rewiring your brain. That's why it's important. Where should we be spending our time? Ideally, we should be spending time in the Word and reading that because then guess what happens? As we read the Word and as we listen to messages, what happens? Our mind becomes like the mind of God. We perceive the world and how things are as God intends. So I want to encourage you. You want to worship God with your mind? Develop it, develop it so that you perceive the world like God perceives. So how to love God in your mind? Be mindful of where you're spending time and I encourage you to spend time in the Word so that it can reprogram your brain so that you perceive like God. We continue on. It says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. What's the third one? Let's all read it. One, two, three. Our soul. And let's read what that is. Ready? One, two, three. The breath of God. One more time. Let's read it. One, two, three. The breath of God and our purpose. So what is our soul? Right? How do you differentiate our soul from our heart? And so the soul is the breath of God that God gave you. When he created man, he breathed his breath into their nostril. Like you have the qualities of God inside of you through his breath. And so what does that mean? 
You know, everything that God created, he created with a purpose. You are no different. You have a purpose from God. So to begin, and really, here's the truth. They always say this quote, if you have breath in your lungs, you have a purpose because God hasn't taken you. Every person has a purpose from God. So how do you begin to love God with your soul? Live in your purpose. Live in your calling. Right? We are so quick to chase after everything of this world. All of my friends are doing this. They're making a lot of money and they're buying a nice house. And we're ready to chase after that. And he says, stop killing your soul going after all of these dead things. Instead, understand your calling. Why I've made you. We don't have a generation that even thinks about that. I've mentioned this before. I have so many students, I ask them, hey, what profession do you want? And without question, all of them say the same thing. Anything that makes six figures, I'm ready to do. Because <laughs> six figures is the end goal, right? It's not anything higher than just some money. I want to encourage you. You know, you want to worship God with your soul? Live in the thing that God has called you to do. And that's a beautiful thing. God has made everyone and everything so uniquely. You look at creation. He made a chicken and he made a peacock. Two completely different things, but so beautiful uniquely with unique purposes. If you made them so different, he's made you with such a unique purpose and calling. You are so unique. So to worship God with your soul, understand your calling and do that. Think about your calling and live in that. And finally, the last one I have to give you is with your strength. And what is our strength? It's our energy. Because, right, man, we can have all of the other things down. You might have um, your, you might know your calling. You may have a good grasp of your emotions and your logic. But, man, if your body is tired, you might not even be able to do that. It's important that you worship God with your body, that you take care of it that you rest at night, and that you sleep. And all of these things together is how we worship God. So how do you love God with your strength? Take care of your body and put energy towards the things of God. So take care of you. So we think, I'm almost done. I'm, I'll finish real quick. We think for a second right now. You know, we started with the question of the complexity of God. God is three, yet one. Can you agree with me? You are, you are multifaceted, yet one. All of these have to work together for you to worship God honestly and well. I'll give you an example. Like the Pharisees. The Pharisees offered their minds to God fully, but they didn't have anything else. And so they missed the mark. You can have one part of this, and if you don't have all of it together, God is not truly glorified. So how do you maintain the balance? Because each one of us is different. I'll tell you this. Like, I, I think I lack sometimes in um, taking care of my body, right? And I think I lack sometimes in my emotions, right? So how do we maintain those things? Because like, each person is different. Some people are going to be more in their minds. Some people are going to be more naturally in their hearts. So how do we maintain? I'll give you one piece of advice and I'll, I'll end. Battle within yourself to maintain unity. Battle in the presence of God. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Jesus is crying with it. He's crying to God, but before, 
he tells the disciples, he says a prayer, my body is downcast within me. He says, my body, or my, I'm sorry, my soul. Mark chapter 12, 14 says, my soul is downcast within me. And so what we realize is the soul is what? His purpose. He knew that he was about to walk into a purpose that was very difficult. Can you agree with me? And so because of that, that part of him was so down. And what did he have to do in that moment so that God could be glorified through his life? He had to submit that part of him. And so I want to encourage you, if you are lacking in any of those parts, you have to submit that to God. God, I don't have a good grasp of my tongue sometimes with my emotions. God, give me grace. In his presence, you go and ask God for the grace so that you can worship him. Maybe you lack sometimes in the ability to walk in your purpose. You are so consumed with yourself that it's just about me. You go to the presence of God and say, God, I need your help. I can't do this without you. It's ironic. We can't worship God without the help of God. The mutual submission thing that James said, they all have to be working together inside of us. So I want to encourage you today, as we're going to get partake of the Lord's table together, I just want to encourage you real quick. Does the question of the Trinity matter? I think it does. Even though we may have all of the answers, we may not understand it fully, we learn something about the nature of God. God is three, yet one. And what we learn is that creation is built the same. We are many, yet one. We are built in the nature of God. We are built in the nature of God, but yet one. So all of it to say, as you engage in this question, I want to really encourage you, you have to engage inside yourself. Have you offered yourself fully to God in every part of you? Because God is interested in that. And if you lack that, if you look at yourself and you're like, I'm not very good at this, um, I don't control my emotions, or for me personally, like I said, my emotions, and even sometimes my calling. Sometimes my calling can be hard. But all I have to do is go into the presence of God and say, God, I need your grace. I submit my selfishness. I submit my emotions. I submit myself to you. And as we do that, guess what happens? God gives you grace. Just as he gave Jesus grace, we are given the grace to live into the calling we have.